take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. For the listeners who didn't get the sound effect, there was a sort of eye roll, eyebrow raise thing going on there from Lee. You're listening to How to Take the Lead with Lee Griffith and Carrie Ann Wade, two corporate colleagues turned business besties who question everything we've ever learned about leadership. What started with us putting the world to rights over a gin after work is now a weekly show challenging the myths and perceptions and exploring what leadership looks like in the modern day. We'll also be sharing our experiences and stories along the way. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find our show notes, subscribe to our email list for extra goodies, as well as catch up on previous episodes. And we're now on social media so get involved in the conversations by following us on twitter or instagram at how to take the lead hello listeners and welcome to this episode of how to take the lead i am obviously joined by the fabulous lee how are you doing today well at the time of recording this we are recording it just <laughs> after the trust has announced her resignation it feels quite apt for a conversation about women in leadership so I'm like totally pissed off on one scale, but also ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Excellent. Yeah, it has been a funny few days in terms of leadership, hasn't it? So yeah, I have to say, I was like, what, what is going on? I don't know. Talk about the state of leadership. For episode one, we covered that. We've got another episode just in the last couple of days worth of activity. But as you say, we are talking about women in leadership. And I just wanted to set a little bit of context in terms of why we wanted to cover this and some recent thinking in this space. So obviously, we are women leaders, we consider ourselves to be women leaders. So it's an important topic for us to um, to cover and talk about. Recently, we attended the Women in Business Expo, where we heard mm. a lot of women talking about leadership challenges and we also heard Helen Ashton talk about the stereotypes that women face when tr- trying to achieve senior leadership positions and the um the staggering stat that only there are only four women chief executives in the FTSE 100 and actually just a couple of days ago Leanin and McKinsey published their Women in the Workplace 2022 report. It's research that they do annually. They've been doing it since 2015 over in the States. And I just wanted to give a little bit of an overview of what that report's found, because I think that does lend itself to some good context for our conversation today. But we are in a space where women are demanding more from work, and they're actually leaving companies in unprecedented numbers to be able to get that. Women leaders are switching jobs at the highest rate that we've ever seen. Women are already, as we know, significantly underrepresented in that leadership space. And for years, fewer women have risen through the ranks because of that broken rung at that first step up into a management position. And now we're finding that companies are really struggling to hold on to the very few women leaders that they actually have. And all of these dynamics and that shift in sort of space are even more pronounced for women of colour. The report shows that women leaders are just as ambitious as men, but that at many companies they face uh, situations and circumstances that make it much harder for them to advance. Women, though, are doing more to support employee well-being and to foster a sense of culture of inclusion. But that critical work is spreading women very thin and most of it goes unrewarded. 
And finally, what that report has shown in terms of kind of themes around women leadership is that it is increasingly important to women leaders that they work for companies that prioritise employee well-being, flexibility, diversity, equity and inclusion. So that's kind of the context according to Lenin and McKinsey in that women leadership space. So I'm quite interested to hear, Lee, what your experience has been like generally as a as a woman leader and what things stand out for you in terms of your own experience. I mean, that's uh, uh, unsurprising, but surprising in that weird paradox where they can be both things because you hope things have progressed. And maybe we'll talk about this a bit later, but and then you you get reports like this and it feels like you're actually going backwards rather than forwards. I mean, my experience is, it's is a really interesting one when I reflect on because I don't know, and I still don't know to some extent, whether the way I was treated in the workplace was a result of me being a woman or a result of me working in this so-called kind of fluffy PR world. And I think... If I look at things like pay, you know, I had battles with pay. I know for a fact that I was paid less than people who were more junior than me in the organisation. So it wasn't even about equity with my peers. And I don't know whether that was because I was a woman and I was being discriminated against or because my role wasn't valued in the organisation. And maybe it was a bit of both. Maybe me being a woman in that role was like the double whammy. I don't know. That's That's kind of quite a hard one to unpick and will I ever really unpick and and know for sure I know I was definitely discriminated against because unequal pay I'd been questioned whether I had the gravitas for example to take on you know these big doctors and to take doctors with me when I was working in the healthcare setting would they respect me because I was a young girl was a specific question I was asked by another woman interestingly at Mm -hmm. an interview panel I've been asked about my plans around family and what my kind of future plans were. I worked for a bullying boss, again, was a woman, which is really interesting. Even when I think about my later years in corporate, in executive meetings, you know, the male CEO would perhaps look to the woman to make notes if the PA wasn't around, for example, unless it was a really important operational moment to need to speak to one of the male managers to do it. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting dynamic of where he thought responsibility should lie dependent on the subject. So, yeah, I don't know. It is complex to sort of try to unpick why some of these situations might have arisen. And as you were talking through each of those, I I was just going tick, yeah, tick, yeah, that's happened. Uh, So, you know, I have also been questioned about my plans around motherhood and being told that it's been assumed that at a certain point in time, I'm going to want to go off and have children, for example. I've been questioned about my age and experience in interview settings, in conversations with potential new male bosses. But equally, like you, I've had the same question thrown at me by women, which again, I find that's probably something that is worth exploring. I've been told by a recruiter that I was the preferred candidate for a role, but that I would be offered X salary and then discovered that the next preferred candidate who clearly wasn't number one on the list, who was a male, was going to be offered a different salary if they got asked to do the same role. Mm. Being referred to as the comms girl by my chief executive when I was appointed into a director level position. So 
all of what you're saying resonates with me. And again, some of it, I think that happened because I'm a woman. Some of it, I think that happened because of my age at the time and Mm. being perceived to be too young. Some of it happened because I think you're right, the perceptions of my chosen career and my area of expertise and professionalism and how valued it was. And some of it probably happened because of all of that intertwined together. So it is, it's really hard, isn't it, to unpick exactly the whys and wherefores of why certain behaviours happen towards you. Yeah, and without going down, because we've done episodes on introvert versus extrovert, but the, the impact and stigma that sits with introverts, that notion of oh you're not very confident and all that so I had that play in as well so you you know take your pick of what could be the reason and maybe I never well sometimes I definitely didn't call it out but and sometimes you only recognize in hindsight and sometimes you only recognize it when other people show it up for what it is and and I would say there are definite things that when I have had these conversations with other people, particularly when I've had these conversations with male colleagues or male peers or people who are men in my support network, have been shocked that I've been asked about when, so when are you going to go off and have kids then? Because how, how much of you are we really going to get and for how long for if we appoint you? So it's, it's clear to me that men don't get asked some of those questions mm. and don't get questioned about some of the things that women do. So there's a bit of me that goes, I know some of this is because I'm female, but actually, like you say, it's, it's tied up in a lot of other complexities. And, and as we heard from the Lean In and the McKinsey report, actually, we're talking about this from the privilege of being two white women. And actually, women of colour are experiencing this and then some, which yeah, you, know, yeah. you can see is very challenging. And so often the complexity in these situations is there's the obvious, the really out there actions that you can pick up on. And then there's the subliminal stuff that you don't really know why certain things have happened or what people are thinking or their motivations behind a decision that they make, which absolutely could be because you're a woman or it could be that they don't think you're the the right person for the job. You don't, you, you might never get to the bottom of it. Are you a new, established or aspiring CEO looking to maximise your impact in the workplace? At Sunday Skies, I help you get clear on your big vision, create a strategy that connects and the communication plan to deliver it. No matter where you are in your CEO journey through my unique blend of coaching and W consulting, I will give you the strategy, support and space to succeed in post. Visit sundayskies.com to find out more and sign up for my email to receive intelligence and information that will challenge and change the way you lead. If you're enjoying this episode of How to Take the Lead, please hit subscribe and go and leave a review or rating. We'd also love to hear your stories and thoughts on today's topic. Please DM us at How to Take the Lead on Instagram or Twitter, or tag us into your socials using the hashtag How to Take the Lead. I did want us to explore a bit more in terms of what you perceive to be some of those barriers and challenges for women in leadership today and that point that you made earlier but reflecting on do do we think they've changed at all are they different are there new ones or are they just the same I mean I think many of the challenges are the same pay flexibility in the workplace opportunities given in the workplace general points of equality you know they're the same issues being discussed but if you look at the long game Obviously, there has been some progress. You know, women at one point couldn't vote. Women weren't allowed to go to work. 
it took a long while for those changes to take place. So I do think we need to be a bit realistic about how long we think other changes are going to happen. And that does boil down to things like education and what are children seeing in their homes and in their personal lives. As an aside, a little kid that I know already playing into that stereotype of mum's got to be in the kitchen and he's seven or eight. So that type of dynamic in the home life. So that's something that won't change overnight. And then there's the bit around what do you accept and what do you challenge in the workplace? So all those things need to shift and that won't happen overnight. So I do think we've made in some ways big strides, but we do also seem to be battling the same problems. And those figures that you stated at the beginning show that there's still a really, really, really long way to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that the stat that you mentioned about, was it 4% or something? In the top 100 FTSE companies, there yeah. are four women chief executives or the rest yeah. are men. So there was another report that came out a couple of weeks ago called Women Count. And they looked at the FTSE 350 and that was 96% of the chief execs there were male. And 70% of companies had no female executive directors on their boards. It is beyond comprehension, really, isn't it? And actually, I, I think the one place where we have probably made strides that will be helpful in what you're talking about, which is massive cultural, societal and behavioural shift, isn't it? Which, like you say, takes a lot of time. So while we've seen some progress, we're still seeing there are you know, elements of society and parts of our culture and parts of the way that we, we behave that actually just reinforce those gender stereotypes and make it difficult still for women to step outside of those, I think. But what I found really interesting in the report through Lean In was that I was reading about how much positive impact women leaders have in their organisations mm-hmm. in terms of, of the culture of prioritising areas that make the workforce feel more valued and therefore retains a workforce, of creating a culture where people can be more open and transparent and bring more creativity. So I feel like there's like this untapped potential for what women leaders can do for organisations that just somehow gets missed and that we don't really seem to be able to bring to the fore enough for people to realise that just to keep perpetuating leaders of organisations must be of a certain type and and mostly that type is men it is quite frustrating when there's clear evidence that women leaders can bring so much in terms of positive return for an organisation. And you see that more broadly with diversity and bringing diverse people in breeds diverse thinking different approaches and different approaches to the same challenges so completely agree with you I think if you look at what are the barriers that still I mean how long have we got but you know we know motherhood and childcare is still a barrier we know older women are put out to pasture a lot earlier than their male counterparts you only have to look at Hollywood to see something that's perpetuating and also side note is absolutely why I love Murder, She Wrote, because she really fought for that. (laughs) (laughs) We know women are penalised for the natural things that happen to their bodies, like having periods, like having the menopause. We know if a woman is vocal or stands up for herself, she's called a bitch or loud or aggressive, but if a man does it, he's seen as Confident and assertive, Yeah. yeah. In the corporate environment, studies that show 
that if a female leader, like a chair of a meeting, if she speaks up and she's seen as talking too much, but if a male chair of a meeting speaks up, he's showing leadership and confidence. We know women themselves underestimate their own abilities or listen to the hype that's out there rather. And so they don't put themselves forward for jobs where a man might put themselves forward or they wait for people to recognise them before they take an action on something. And we know, as you've said, women are leaving companies. And I'm evidence of that. I, I stepped away from the corporate world. And for me, it's not just about childcare, which is often one of those discussions that it tends to boil down to. And I, don't, I think it's bigger than that. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points that resonate with me in, in what you said there, Lee. And I think one is around that motherhood, childcare, parental responsibility challenge that women yeah. face in the workplace and that absolutely 100% is a challenge for women if you are a parent particularly a mum I think there are expectations on you there is evidence to show that you bear more of the childcare burden for sure so trying to juggle a career as a leader and being a mum I absolutely can see must be a massive challenge so I absolutely don't doubt the constant pressures that that women must be under in that space but I have to say as somebody who's a woman but not a mum that I have often been put in a position where I felt my own experiences as a woman in the workplace have been downplayed because I'm not a parent if that makes sense so it's almost like well how would you know because you haven't got that responsibility and I have often felt like others have perceived that I've had an easier journey in my career and in that leadership space because I I haven't got the responsibilities of being a mum and sometimes I find that quite challenging because I feel like actually there have been points in my career where being a woman has been as impacted negatively on things in my career so it it shouldn't have to be about the fact that I don't have children to look after for me to say I've had I've had challenges in a difficult time and barriers to overcome. It's hard that the conversation so often, and maybe this is a broader discussion we can have a bit later in this episode, is that what can women do to help each other? But often the conversation or the box that needs to be ticked is all around accommodating motherhood and working mums, which I'm with you. And it's a really hard one because I I think I might have said this to you um, earlier in the week when we were chatting about something else but I had this really awkward moment when I'd been reflecting on the fact that every leadership talk I'd gone to recently started with the woman talking about her role as a mum and the difficulty and there was no one that had my experience talking and I almost didn't want to raise it because I thought am I going to come across as the people who do this all people matter and it's a completely different situation because I absolutely do believe that there is a place working mums it's hideous how their careers are cut out how their pay is impacted how they don't get to progress all of that stuff and I want to be an advocate and support for that but we also need to recognize the other experiences that women go through you might not get jobs because people assume you're going to have children yeah so you're you're still getting penalized yeah and and there's something about as well there's expectations sometimes I think on you as a woman in the workplace who doesn't have children to be able to just be 24 7 saying yeah I'll do that yeah I'll do the extra hours yeah I'll do out of hours on call I'll cover all of the holidays because you're trying to be supportive of people who've got families to enable them to do that 
But at the same time, sometimes you want to go, I'd still like to have a week off at Easter, (laughs) actually, even though it's not to spend time with my children. There are other reasons why I might want to be offered some of that same flexibility. So I think you're absolutely right. But there is almost like I can almost feel myself a nervousness of, of wanting to say it's hard for women who don't have kids because I, I worry that all the women who are juggling motherhood and a career and, and being in that leadership space are going to be like, well, actually, it's harder for us. And, and maybe it is, but it doesn't mean that everyone shouldn't be able to have a voice and reflect on their own experiences. And I think there's also then this character assumption made of people who are women leaders who don't have children because they're put in that box of maybe they're a bit cold or they're a bit heartless or they don't have empathy because they don't have that mothering gene in them or whatever. And I've definitely seen that, that perception of, you know, you're going to have a bit of an edge to you because you're not a mother. And that's a weird one that I can't fathom. (laughs) Again, I think we're just back to that point that it's very complex space to be in, isn't it? And unpick and work out what's best to do. And I think what we're saying is, you know, that the whole motherhood thing is a barrier within itself and comes with a whole range of challenges, whether you are a mum or or not. There was another bit that you briefly touched on, and I thought we might go into this space and didn't. So I'm just going to draw it out a bit. But you were talking about perceptions of women, but also maybe the perceptions of our own selves and what Mm. we're able to achieve. And I think in the leadership space and the working environment space, imposter syndrome gets talked about a lot. Like, This is what I was interested to explore with you. For the listeners who didn't get the sound effect, there was a sort of eye roll, eyebrow raise thing going on there from Lee. So I'd like to explore it a bit more. I know when we've talked, we haven't been that keen on the term, but there is something there around women's own self-belief and their abilities. You talked about the fact that women are less likely to go for jobs if they don't feel like they tick all the boxes. And that's a well-shared fact, isn't it? Women feel like they must have 100% of what's on a job description be able to evidence they can do it before they'd even apply men would go for about 50% and wing the rest so that there is something there in that kind of mentality I think but interestingly I have also heard more men talking now about the fact that they have imposter syndrome and so it obviously is becoming something that isn't necessarily just associated with women so your take on imposter syndrome and is it a barrier or a challenge for women in the leadership space just your views on that I'd be really interested in we could do a whole other episode on (laughs) imposter syndrome I'm a skeptic about does imposter syndrome exist I think it's a term that people have cottoned on to and used but it masks a whole load of other stuff that's at play so how are people being made to feel in the workplace because of maybe discrimination, because of all the issues that we've been talking about. So there's generally, if you boil down to the root cause of that feeling, there is usually something else at play. There's someone's lack of confidence that makes them feel like an imposter. You do some coaching work with someone, you really get down to the root cause. They can generally pinpoint examples when they've been made to feel a certain way or they've perceived something and so actually there's other stuff at play and I think it's become a phrase that everyone uses to try and explain away their feelings rather than tackle the underlying causes that are making people feel that way. 
I like your take on that. Sorry. And you're, but you're absolutely right. And it goes back again to some of the themes that keep coming up around the culture of the organisation. <laughs> you know, all of that kind of stuff is is the underlying reason why people don't have the confidence sometimes or the self-belief that they can push themselves or that they will be supported to get that promotion or take that next step in their leadership career. I'm glad we touched on it because I know it's something we have talked about in other places around our feelings around imposter syndrome and it's often something that is labelled as a challenge for women in the workplace. Just to move us on I think really now we've talked about some of the barriers. I know we've really just skimmed the surface because we could talk for a lot longer about them but I wanted to just get your take on how we can start to change some of that thinking around women leaders and challenge the stereotypes of women in leadership positions. And I guess alongside that, what what support do we need to do this and and who do we need that support from? Uh, Big question. Sorry, just to throw it to you. (laughs) And I've almost got two different hats that I'm going to have to wear with this answer because there's one part of me that says, with equality issues in general, and I'm not just talking about women in leadership, I'm talking about diversity and race and and all all sorts of equality issues. The burden for change is so often sat with the people who are the oppressed. And that is the thing that makes it feel so tiring for everyone. And that, I think, shirks the responsibilities for people who actually need to be making the change. So in in one effect, I want to deflect the question and go, right, well, what do other people need to do? With my other hat on, women are doing a lot. There's some brilliant advocates and allies out there that are really championing women leadership and, and all of that. And so I don't want to do a disservice to the work that's going out there. But I do think... I've I've come across personally examples of women leaders who should be doing more to support other women. That whole concept of lift as, as you rise, that, that definitely doesn't happen. I think this thing that we touched on around motherhood and it not always placing ourselves as women in that motherhood box. And I think also the other issue about, I hate to say it, but we, we can... We can tear down other women and, you know, I've done that with trust, but then she's not done, you know, I worry about certain examples that certain women set for other women and she brought the kind of cause back a few years because I don't know if it was one of our episodes we spoke about last year, um, last year, last series, when I said I'd listened to that interview with Julian Gilliard, but she was saying like the question in New Zealand, for example, around can a woman be a prime minister has been asked and answered three times. So it's not an issue there anymore. When she took over as the first prime minister in Australia, she was having to prove the point, can a woman be a prime minister? And my worry is with the recent example that we've had, we're actually the last two women leaders in, in Britain is perhaps raising that question again, can women be good leaders? I think that's really interesting, isn't it, around challenging those stereotypes? Because when we talk about the trust, and you just said you t- you tore her down, so you've done what you, you don't want other women to do a, li- a little bit there. But I think there's a bit for me, it's like, where do we get that differentiation around the fact that actually, I think the issue is that she didn't demonstrate good leadership, full stop. Uh-huh. But we're putting a label on it about her being a woman. 
We didn't say yeah. we didn't say about Boris Johnson. We don't think he was a good example of, of male leadership. We just said leadership without putting the male bit in. We were like, yeah. well, you know, maybe some people thought he was a good example, whatever. But I, I just think it's interesting that when we talk about some of these examples of the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between in terms of leadership, if it's a, a woman leader, we feel the need to state that they're a woman leader. Yeah. But, but yeah. if it's a man, they're just a leader. And I think yeah. some of that's what we have to tackle as well. I'm a leader. I know we said we identify as women leaders. That's because we're women and in leadership positions. But when I am in my day to day work in life, I don't feel the need to label myself as a woman if that makes sense so it's just yeah. quite interesting that that we're kind of in that space I think so I was also being kind to you and saying I, I don't feel like you tore down another woman in a really terrible way Lee. I think you were just <laughs> highlighting some really poor leadership from somebody but it will beg that question won't it which is unfortunate and back to that societal and cultural change yeah we've gone a slightly bit off topic I think there but in a good way <laughs> I guess we're coming to that point in the conversation where we do need to think about wrapping up and what our how-tos would be we like to leave people with a few top takeaways from the episode so my how-tos takeaways and how we can start to challenge and change for me um I feel like we need to start seeking out those advocates in that leadership space, in our organisations, in, in our fields, to start having more open conversations about some of this. And I think that needs to be men and women. And I do absolutely agree with you. I've had lots of experience, sadly, where it, sometimes it, it's other women in leadership positions that have done us a disservice because they haven't mm. been supportive and open and helped to create a culture where they support women in that space so there's something about that advocacy and support and starting to have more conversations I love you put your hand up like we were at school then <laughs> sorry I know you're trying to wrap up and I'm potentially exploding the conversation again but I think it's an important one which is is it the job of women to challenge other women or should when we see those women that perhaps aren't helping or being an ally to others and we talk about trying to advocate and be an ally, should we be doing that or should male counterparts should, be doing I, that? My yeah. view is we should all be doing it. It's a really good question, but I think we should all be doing it. Men should be challenging other men when they see some issue there. Women should be challenging other women and, and all the ways around that spectrum, I think, personally for me, because I think if it's only left to one group of people to challenge another group, we'll never make the progress that we need to make. So I think for me, it feels like, yes, absolutely. Women should be challenging other women who perhaps are doing a disservice to the cause and and not demonstrating those good leadership characteristics of supporting others. Absolutely. With the caveat that I know it's much easier said than done because mm. it, there's probably lots of other episodes people could listen to about how to build their confidence and make the space to have these conversations but yeah I absolutely think it's everybody's job in answer to that question Lee I guess the other thing I would say around like what do we the collective we so I don't mean we as women I mean what do we as leaders need to do to support and, and make change I think we need to present the evidence in a compelling way in terms of the impacts of not supporting women in that leadership space and really look to see how we can demonstrate the value add of increasing the number of women leaders. I sometimes think we don't have enough conversations about that and we don't do that enough in our organisations or in that leadership space. We really need to be presenting that evidence to affect that change. And then I think as individuals, I think it's about knowing our worth. So whether you do or don't believe in imposter syndrome, whatever, 
think it is about knowing what we are worth and fighting personally for what we've all had conversations probably about pay about equity flexibility I think know your worth and have those conversations don't just settle and it can I think that can be draining and it can be hard but if you've got a good support network around you that can help with that but if we all just accept that it's okay to get paid less than the man who's doing the same job as me or whatever then that's just going to continue isn't it so know Mm. our worth because we are worth it it sounded like l'oreal is that that is who's worth it i don't know yeah just flicking my hair hair we're worth it uh lee what are your top takeaways from this episode well it's actually a whole new point that i'm gonna make (laughs) (laughs) because when i knew the topic and it it treads slightly on the topic of being an ally and I thought rather than answering the question from my perspective, what because I want to appeal to the male listener, and um, I thought I'd speak to my husband and ask him what he thought needs to happen to get men more involved in terms of supporting the cause and being an ally to women leaders. So I'm going to try and paraphrase it as much as possible. But he said that um, the whole premise of creating allies is a bit flawed because we tend to take an approach that one size fits all and actually the groups that we're trying to appeal to aren't this homogenous group and we need to be a bit more multifaceted in our approach so he was making the point that like he for example is someone that likes logical reasoned argument whereas someone else might really be appealed to an emotional argument and so when you're tackling something you need to be tailoring it to the person that you're trying to encourage as an ally so you need to understand who you're dealing with you need to understand that person and then take action according to that person but his big big caveat is that we also just need to accept that there's going to be a subset of people that are never going to be our allies and this this isn't just about women this is about any any kind of diverse group that's looking to create allyship um, and that we need to accept that rather than trying to fight it and we should try to avoid causing conflict with those people because it devalues our broader argument around allyship. Oh, I absolutely love that last point in there Lee because I do agree and I think actually why would we invest all our energy in trying to change the behaviours and opinions of those who absolutely are not ever going to be part of wanting to to do good for that cause when we could be investing that time and energy on the good so I think that's that's really pertinent and I I love you bringing in that different take and a new point I think that is a really poignant way to to finish this conversation other than to give a plug to a few of our other episodes that link into that point that your husband made um which is you might want to listen to our episode on allyship you might want to listen to our episode on storytelling because I think that picks up on some of those points around Around knowing who you're trying to communicate with and doing that in a multifaceted way to get your message across to different people so what better way to end this week's episode thank you so much i'm sure we will revisit some of this in the future 
thanks again for listening to today's episode don't forget to hit subscribe so you're the first to receive new episodes when they drop every thursday if you enjoyed the show please rate it or leave a review visit housetakethelead.com for all the info from today's show to catch up on previous episodes and to sign up to our mailing list and we'd love to know your thoughts and experiences on the topics we cover follow us at how to take the lead on instagram and twitter to get involved in the conversation so until next week get out there and take the lead Thank you.